Hello, I'm Rick Edwards. This is a podcast version of the Project Reset video series from Mission Winnow, where I'm joined by global thought leaders to talk about what we've just been through and how we could use this moment to reset. Find out more on missionwinnow.com. In a few months, the world has rapidly changed. And we have an opportunity to use this moment to reimagine the world we live in forever. Powering transformation through bold thinking, big ideas, and brave action. This is Project Reset. The global pandemic has created a real, uh, uh, a real paradox. The entertainment industry has been one of the, the biggest casualties, and yet entertainment consumption has at the same time surged. Uh, and, and in this episode, I really want to try and focus on the positives because um, COVID, I think, has amplified the importance of entertainment to our lives and creativity has always thrived in adversity. Uh, and hopefully this will be, be no different. Um, and, and the world of entertainment can actually evolve into something that is even more accessible and even more enticing. I'm Rick Edwards and today uh, I'm joined by a panel of people who, who certainly know a thing or two uh, about entertainment. Uh, I'm going to get each of you to uh, introduce yourselves and tell me what you do and what your relationship is to the entertainment industry. So let's start with uh, Joel and Benji. Uh, yeah, hey, we're uh, Joel and Benji Madden, the Madden brothers. Uh, we got our start in entertainment over 20 some years ago uh, in our band, Good Charlotte. Uh, we went on to found a music company called MDDN.co. Uh, we're co-founders with another uh, two people it, it, with a music platform called veeps.com. That's a live streaming ticketing platform. Uh, and we are artists for artists. Uh, I, I looked at, um, uh, at veeps the other day and I was like, this is, this is so perfect for the, for the time that we're in now. I was like, did they know Corona was coming? <laughs> no, you know that the idea of direct to consumer, which is where I think all, all things are going, um, it applies to music as well. And Veeps was built as a direct to fan engagement platform mm. for artists to own and operate their own. Essentially, it's VIP. So we see live streaming as a function of VIP. Um, so originally live streaming was just another tool on the platform to, to own and operate your own fan business without a third party. Um, it's a commission-free platform. Artists run businesses and they're not taxed by the platform. I'm John Gingek and I uh, started and run a company called Hub Entertainment Research. And we do uh, consumer research, um, about 10,000 surveys a year on everything to find out uh, how technology is changing the way that people discover and choose and consume uh, entertainment content of all kinds, TV, movies, music, video games. And, and how did you end up starting Hub? What, what led you there, John? Uh, I was doing this for another, uh, a bigger company and had done, uh, just because I've always thought the entertainment space and uh, I'm a musician, highly amateur, but I'm in a band myself and, and saw how uh, a lot of technology was really poised to kind of change the way people consume all of this stuff. Uh, as soon as there's a, a broadband pipe into everyone's house and, a, and a, you know, a powerful computer in everybody's pocket, the impact of that was going to be massive. And so in 2013, I thought there might be enough of a change to, to kind of start my own company focused entirely on entertainment and nothing else. 
you know, even though that's not that long ago, we're, we're one of the companies that's kind of been focused on how these changes are occurring and track them for the longest. Uh, I mean, maximum respect for saying you're a musician in front of uh, Joel and Benjamin. Never, Madden, actually, right? <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think of that until after I started saying it. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like nodding politely. You're sure. probably more of a musician than I am. So. <laughs> uh, and uh, finally, Maya. Hello, um, I'm Maya Jammer and I'm a TV and well, was radio a radio presenter. I don't really know what else, I kind of dabble in. DJ, put my foot in some acting recently, all-rounder. You're, you're the ultimate. I don't have a long brief like these guys, that was really impressive. I've done a few things. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're like the ultimate, um, what do they call them, hyphenate, where it's just oh, like your presenter, actress, broadcaster. Do you write as well? Um, I feel like you no. could probably write. I mean, I could, I could have a go, but I won't call myself a writer, no, not yet. yet. But DJ, so that, that can add in. Has your own consumption of entertainment changed, have you noticed, you, you, yourself? Forgetting the bigger picture, has your consumption of, of, of content uh, changed? Yeah, well, I mean, I've completed Netflix. That happened very early on. You know, you <laughs> Congratulations. You yeah. Completed it. I don't know. I just tried everything that everyone was doing, mm. like House Party app. That was massive at one point. Absolutely has probably quadrupled what I consume as a, as a consumer. Um, I think being home, having more time in between, engaging with my kids and the things they're doing. I mean, my son plays video games. My daughter is big into you know, YouTube, TikTok, all that stuff. So engaging with them, I've become a consumer of things I wasn't a consumer of, mm -hmm. um, but then also just my own personal time, listening to music, watching TV shows, movies, all that stuff. Um, I definitely have more habits that I didn't have before that yeah. I have now as far as like what I'm watching and, and what I'm doing consuming wise. So definitely like I'd say like four times what I was. I've been playing more video games and especially uh, buying them digitally, so downloading them rather than going to Best Buy and buying the game itself. I already used up one whole hard drive, I gotta go get another one now. Um, but that's like a habit, I don't think I'm gonna go back to buying you know, retail again. And so do, do you think these, these changes will persist then? Is that what your research is saying? That some of these habits that people are forming will persist? Ab absolutely. If the, the pandemic has accelerated some things that were happening anyhow, for instance, in our research we find that people are spending a lot more time watching TV or movies than they did before, but that uh, streaming platforms like uh, Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max or Disney Plus account for a lot more of that increase than regular TV does. That's, that's a lot more likely to be kind of consistent. And I think another thing that's really interesting is that, you know, we talked about the, the ability of artists to create kind of content themselves and deliver it themselves. So we did one study where we looked at uh, people who watched uh, talk shows and then we tracked down people who had watched a talk show that was produced at home like The Daily Show and about a third of people said that they preferred it when the show was filmed in front of a studio audience but there's another 30% who said that didn't really make any difference and everybody else said they actually preferred it uh, being watched at home and, and to your guys point there was a lot of those shows especially at the beginning that were the production was was a lot worse than like your average YouTube influencer would have and, and even with that uh, people still felt kind of this, this direct connection with the host that they didn't feel when there was a big elaborate set, uh, a big audience. And, uh, you know, again, some, some good news with John Krasinski was one of the most successful pieces of content that came out during this whole thing. And it was noteworthy at, at how low budget it was, how low budget the production was. I think we have to talk about 
audiences and, and, and live audiences and just picking up on your point about how a lot of people actually preferred those, um, you know, the, the kind of the late night shows without an audience. Uh, Maya did a, a show over the summer, big, big primetime Saturday night show for, for the BBC uh, that was obviously massively affected by, by COVID and didn't have a live studio audience where it was absolutely the sort of show that you would like there's the band and, and stuff and, and I wondered how that was for you Maya and whether you went into it feeling confident that it could still work. Yeah I mean it was crazy because originally the show was supposed to be around the Euros which is a big football yeah. tournament that got cancelled and we'd done a uh, we'd done the what's the word called the pilot yeah. for it for, uh, prior with an audience and discussing all these football things and in our minds we'd have these um, like amazing guests and all this stuff going on and then COVID happened and it was like right well we have this time slot we're going to try and make the most amazing show we can with everything that should have been happening over mm. the summer so it was me and Peter Crouch and it was I don't know it it felt like the most normal thing that we could do out mm. of the situation so we mm. had the crew as the audience everybody was meters apart like nobody was allowed in my room dressing room even to what we were speaking about earlier when they were like I don't know all the extra hands you usually have on a production like mm. you make your own teas now there's not somebody going to get your teas which should be standard anyway but those kind of things and doing your own hair and makeup and your own wardrobe and going in there and kind of being self-responsible for everything up until you get onto set. Yeah, it felt so weird compared to what you're used to and you don't get the reactions naturally from everybody laughing at your jokes if they were going to or, mm. you know, a lot of the time when you're doing live things because it wasn't live, it was supposed to be live, but we filmed as live. So like, right. we just kept mm. going. But, but you feed off the audience and you feed off the energy a lot of the time. So it was really like a, a big effort on everybody's part in the studio to go that extra mile to be like, look, there's only about five of us, but we're going to do the extra claps. We're going to laugh extra loud and we're going to try and create the best environment possible. And I think we did do a really good job. Um, but yeah, surreal. It's like I kept calling it alien TV. I was like, this isn't normal. It's like alien TV. Like I actually wanted to shout out as well, Full Well Production Company, because they, yeah, they went the extra mile on everything, mm. as you can imagine. So they, yeah, they yeah, they, they make the uh, uh, James Corden's late night show, and I actually, yeah. oddly, like I catch clips of that every now and again. I think I prefer it without the audience. I think it's really, it feels really intimate so, well, somehow. Yeah. You, I, I don't know. I don't know if you still get nervous, but I do get nervous when there's an audience around, just mm. because you know I'm not a comedian. You say a silly joke, there's no laughs, and you're like, yeah. whereas at least you knew that the, the crew were going to give you a fake laugh at least, or a yeah. little boost. You know, and there, there's a there's a whole generation of people now who are used to watching stuff like that without an audience. All the yeah. uh, young people that are watching podcasts. I mean, look at you know look at Joe Rogan, that started off on a shoestring budget, uh, in his in his basement, and and succeeded purely on the strength of his message and his content, the things he was talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, and it broke pretty much every, you know, every one of those things is like two and a half hours long. It kind of destroys all the, the model of how you're supposed to do these things. If you think about a show like Game of Thrones, even if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you've, you've heard of it because of the marketing machine behind it. But there are people on YouTube who get routinely bigger audiences that Game of Thrones do. And if you're in there, their sort of target market, their orbit, uh, it's a household name. And if you're not in that, you've never heard of them at all because of the mm -hmm. way it spreads organically, you know, without really much investment in, in advertising per se at all. And I think that's a really good thing for creators and it's a really good thing for uh, consumers because they can, no, no matter how specialized your tastes are, you can find enough of that kind of content to fill the amount of time you have. So 
Benji and Joel, what, what, what do you lose as a musician when you're performing in front of or for a virtual audience rather than an audience that are there whose, whose energy you can kind of feed off of? Uh, I think real time, uh, I guess what you would call it is feedback. So it's part of the experience is not just the audience, but the artist. So together you have this experience, you create this experience around something. So it's the music is what you're all there for, mm -hmm. but then together you have this experience through communication yeah. and, and action. So energy, energy, all that stuff is kind of wrapped up in that. Um, you lose that. Now, what you try to replicate, which we tell people, don't try to replicate the live experience. You have to create uh, a virtual, okay. you have to create a virtual digital in the box experience for people. And that's how you have to approach it when you're doing like live streaming, what we've learned. But this interesting thing happens, right? Like when, so the, the audience is gone and you do lose that adrenaline. You, you lose that adrenaline, you lose that sort of the energy, but th there's this whole new space that opens up for this really sort of like, sort of like intimate storytelling and like quiet, like, like you can let people in a bit more um, because there isn't the distraction of all the energy and, and, and all the feedback of, of the crowd, which, which drives you in, a, in an amazing way. But in, in, in the virtual experience, it almost opens up, like you were saying about the talk shows, right? Like, like you, you're, you're sort of like a bit more naked, like there's no distractions. You can't rely or lean heavily on anything. You have to do more storytelling. You have to do more connecting. And um, I think it's been a really interesting thing about this whole time. And, and so are you saying that you actually think it's almost like a distinct entity then, the, the kind of the virtual performance? Yeah. Like you have to treat it as its own thing? Yeah, absolutely. You have to treat it like a different thing than live. Mm. Um, it's a different medium. Yeah. Mm. And, and so do you, do you think then, because I'm trying to figure out, you know, when people will be comfortable going back in to venues with huge numbers of, of people and it feels like that's a, that's that's a way off and will we become so off, used to um virtual stuff that actually we see a big decline in 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 live performance but will people just i think i think what the movie theater is to the movie in some regards the live venue is to li is to music mm. and it'll always be a necessity so mm. great venues great shows great live music is always going to be a necessity. Mm -hmm. So there's no, I don't think there's ever a version where it goes away. But I do think that the behavior changes to a degree. Like uh, John was saying, I found myself, if I looked at my own behavior, I would say, do I go to the store to buy the thing or do I order it or do I do curbside? There's like this, mm. there's this hybrid of choices and Will I never not go to another store again? No, I'll, I will go to stores because the human experience is we want to touch and feel things. Yeah. We want to interact with people. We want to ask questions. We want to do some physical. It's experience. Um, experience. E experiential. There is an experience to buying something. But there is a behavior change, I think, to a degree. So there's a certain amount of our time that we will spend doing it this way. And, and I think that that starts to um, become a, it's not, let's say, complete behavior change, but it's a new line of business 
that um, takes away from some, a, a little bit from the old line, but the old line remains. And I think that, again, we go back to great art uh, and great experience wins. The difference that you have, though, I think between you know theaters, movies and theaters and whatnot, is, is a, a live music experience is, is so interactive and it's so charged with different emotions and energy and it's, it, it's, it, it gets cemented into your memories with your friends and with you know, certain times in your life. I do think it's gonna shift some, but I think that the live music experience is always gonna be a necessity. Absolutely. Um, for people, it's I, always I, gonna be a necessity. I feel like maybe that the, the better comparison, you said it's kind of like the, the, the movie to the, to the movie theater. I maybe if it's more, um, you know, acting to theater because in theatre you have that same, like it's very different, I, I, I think, watching a play live with the actors in front of you doing it to watching a recording or even a streaming of that performance. Whereas- I agree, I, th I think it's a great debate, right? Mm. Of like what we want to experience. Yeah. Maybe it's amount of, amount of time you'll go. How many times, yeah. how many shows would you usually go to a year? Is it 10? I think it's probably going to end up going down, and I think there's it's gonna like take a little bit more to draw you out. It's going to take more of an experience to draw you out, where like 20 or 30 30 percent of the time, I think you'll shift to a different experience. Um, so I, and it's up for debate. I mean, I, I said what I think, um, but I think that I said it depends on the demographic too, right? right? Totally. Yeah. It depends on the age group. Depends on where you're at in your life, right? You know, are you seeing anything that suggests uh, what our, our kind of consumption habits are gonna be like in the future, John? Yeah, so we, we've done a lot of research on that and the one thing that kind of jumps to the top when you uh, ask people what's gonna make them feel like they can go back to normal is a, uh, is a vaccine. When they think of vaccines out and you can get some kind of inoculation to the disease. And then, you know, what'll take a little bit longer, I think the recover is the, is the fear that people have, the trepidation mm -hmm. about it. Um, but one thing we're definitely seeing in our research is is Joel, what you said a second ago is that, is that people still want to return to these experiences, but it's gonna take a bit more to draw them out. Um, and we haven't done research like that on live music yet, but we have done it on movies. Uh, and people are more likely to return to sort of big blockbuster movies like, uh, like a Tenet sooner than they are to return to kind of a more run of the mill release like Trolls. And, and you can see that the studios are recognizing this too because of a lot of the films that uh, were originally scheduled for theatrical release and they're now going directly to streaming. And, and that's quite a, a big worry for um, cinemas, I, th I think, because you know, they also know that the, the film companies make more money if they go direct to, you know, to streaming anyway. Like the margins are better. So there is an incentive, you know, not just because of the way that they're, they're seeing consumers behave, but also you know, just their, their, their bottom line. Uh, works for, for streaming and so yeah, and, and the, the marketing cost and to send it to a theater is, is massive yeah yeah and it's it like all technology it's becoming much easier for people to get a better a better home experience like right. you know it, the the prices have dropped on you know to, to get a great HD you know television or you know to do the surround sound systems and all that it's just go, it goes down every year um, I will tell you this though um, We've seen tours go up recently uh, that we're, you know, even with the even with the risk of having to reschedule and whatnot, um, selling out like mm -hmm. really, you know, mm -hmm. really quickly. Tours go up, sold out completely. It's a ton of pent up day demand. one. 
I feel yeah, like people so we, are desperate to, to just get back out though. Because even I was going to say, sorry to button a bit, but with like DJs even, there were so many DJ live streams going on, especially at the beginning of lockdown. And I was having my own little personal parties here, one-on-one with the DJ on a live stream. But you could see even in the chats and everything like that, that people are just so desperate to get back into like a club environment and a party because it's unmatched. You can't get that for a screen really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of my friends that are just purely DJs, they're really struggling because there's no sign of when you're ever going to be back in a club environment or even like a festival. Mm. I hosted um, like the V Festival when it was the first socially distanced virtual V Festival and we had to have uh, the audience for people that were from households spread out, socially distanced. And then the artists, we had Oli Mers and Anne-Marie and a few others, Dizzy Rascal. And that was the first time that they'd performed when usually they'd be at every single festival. And yeah. even for them, they were so happy to be out of the house and so happy to be on a stage. But the the connection between the audience, like the guys were saying, it's, it's a completely different thing because mm. one, you're so far apart and there's only about 10, 15 people there at the same time. And I don't know, I think maybe there's going to be more of those kind of experiences. How, how, how was it for you? Did you feel it was worth doing, even though it was uh, weird? I mean, I loved it. I, I was just so happy, one, just to be like able to be in some kind of festival environment. You're yeah. on the field and mm-hmm. get your outfits on and stuff, but also to see live music again, which I uh, couldn't even remember. And to try and bring some kind of like joy and experience through a TV screen, which you're not getting already online. I, I don't know. I feel like everybody's just doing their best. And, and those kind of shows are the closest thing you can get to a real life festival right now. So, yeah, maybe that's where it goes. Something that I've noticed, and this might just be a, a coincidence, but I sort of feel like it probably isn't, is that there is more of a social purpose to people in the, in the entertainment industry that I've seen during, during lockdown. Yeah, no, I think obviously these things have been happening for years and years and years. Mm. There's always been racism, there's always been yeah. you know unjust murder and, and things like that. But we as people got so used to just like having our lives, being so busy, you'd have the internet platforms that would show you what was going on, but you'd almost be, there'd be too much other things going on for you to spend enough time to actually take in what was mm-hmm. going on for a lot of people, I think. And when lockdown happened, and then there was the murder of George Floyd, for example, there was no escape in it because mm. you're not doing anything else. There's no distractions for you to look elsewhere. Like it's right in front of your face, you can see it and you can't act like, oh, well, it's, it doesn't affect me. It's not going on in front of me. And I think that kind of forced people to actually be like, okay, well, me not saying anything now, me not acting like this is a problem or an issue, like I'm, 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 I'm wrong now, rather than, oh, ignorance is bliss, which I think was the attitude for a, a very long time. And I think now a small blessing that came out of uh, a terrible thing was that people did realize it's time for a change actually, eventually start doing things. And, and the conversation started to happen a lot more and it wasn't going away this time. And I do see small changes in our industry, especially yeah. where people are working hard to see behind the scenes that their platforms and their companies and their shows reflect reality and it is diverse and it is representative and we are making more of an effort to, to combat racism and everything now. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things like why now? But at the same time, yeah, I do think you couldn't ignore it. They've actually started to act on the stuff they always have said that they were going to do in terms of, yeah. you know, d- diversity of, you know, of, of background and race and all that stuff. And it's really like, finally. And, yeah. and, 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 and why it's taken this, I, I, I don't know. But also, you know, to bring it back to the kind of, you know, entertainment, 
you know, you're seeing people, and I know this has kind of always happened, but it just feels different to me now. Um, something like we, we on, on Britain's Got Talent, big show in, in, in the UK, uh, diversity uh, a, a dance troupe did an amazing kind of um, performance, you know, primetime, Saturday night, ITV, uh, that, that was sort of reflecting on the mad year of, of 2020. And they really, they, you know, dealt with, you know, a lot of the stuff head on and it's created this massive sort of furore and it got loads of complaints. I mean, way massively overwhelmed by people who are supportive, but it feels really like, I just couldn't see that happening a year ago. And I don't feel like it would have, that, that would have happened without uh, us being in this unusual situation somehow. I think people have a lot more compassion now because it's an experience that, mm. you know, people are, people are influenced more or less to some degree by what's happened, but there's no one who is uninfluenced by it. And it's a shared experience that everybody in every walk of life and, and everybody knows that everybody else has had this happen to them as well. So I think it, I think it kind of creates connections between people that haven't been there before or, or potential connections between people that haven't, that haven't felt them before. And I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Black Lives Matter stuff happened so quickly after the pandemic. I think, I think that kind of set the stage for people to, you know, feel the, the plight of their fellow man more directly maybe than they have in the past. Do, do, you, do you guys feel more, more pressure then to have a, a social message in, in, in your work, in, in, in your output? We're compelled to support because that's right now the best thing in, in, in terms of, of people experiencing sort of and, lifting up. You know? Yeah, in, in, in people experiencing um, racism, um, inequality, and inequality and, and injustice, uh, we're not the, the poster guys for, to be able to comment on that experience. Uh, we can support and we can mm. try and lift up and we can try and be a part of the, the, the cause for good in the ways that we can participate behind the scenes and from our platforms where we think it'll help. I, I suppose also that um, it, sometimes it, it's easy to forget that entertainment has real value just in and of itself, that the whole point is it makes people feel better. That's why they, that's why they, they seek out whatever the, the form of entertainment is. And so just by making the stuff that people want, you are helping, almost, almost by definition, aren't you, Maya? Yeah, I think a lot of it, I don't know, me personally sometimes, I think even just representation, like being somebody that somebody can relate to from a different background or, you know, from a different ethnicity, I think that alone does, does wonders. Because mm. when I was younger, I didn't see many black women or women of colour on TV other than June, June Sarpong. Yeah, June yeah. and June Trisha. And, June, and, uh, June and Makita. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then when I got a bit older, Makita and Jamila, yeah. and, and I really did look up to those women because I felt like, oh wow, they can do it and they look like me, and you know? And I think if you don't have any representation in that sense, then it can be like, oh well, I wouldn't fit in that building, or mm. maybe I'm not suited for that, and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that, that's been one of the, the best things I think that's come out of this whole situation, everything, is that people are now, I don't know, from my conversations that I'm having anyway, starting to be like, yeah, what, wait, why is everybody in this building white and a male? And why isn't there somebody that looks yeah. like this and comes from here and, you know, and actually making the effort to, to change it. But as well to touch on what the boys were saying, I, I understand there was a lot of people that felt like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing or I don't want to, you know, overstep the mark when I'm talking about these issues if I'm not the right person for it. And I think one thing I, I noticed, well, one thing I felt 
is just that it was just nice to see that, you know, even if you don't know everything about it, it's just having the voice and influencing your platform and the people that follow you who may not have even thought about racism or don't even realize that it's still so prominent as it is. And just to be like, hey, look, yeah, it is actually going on as much as you might not see it, it's there. And it doesn't affect you directly, but it does affect a lot of people and black people are upset and it's hurting them and it's killing them and enough is enough kind of thing. Yeah, it's just the conversations. It's just pulling people mm. up if you hear a comment and, and making sure, as I said before, the companies and the businesses and the TV shows and production companies reflect real life and are as inclusive as, as possible. I wonder if uh, you guys think that some of the more vulnerable forms of entertainment will be able to adapt or if some will actually just, just fall away. Like when you look at the UK, it looks like 70% of theatres probably by the end of the year are going to be out of business. Like they just, what, 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 what can they do? Like the, the numbers just don't work for them, but certainly with social distancing. Um, you know, are, are there going to be some art forms, entertainment forms that we are just going to lose? I don't know if we lose things in, in their entirety, you know, um, they're, they're, it, but it may become just a niche, right? Like Extinction's like, a real thing though. Yeah, yeah, but like, you know, like think about it, like back in the day they did drive-in concerts or no, drive-in shows, drive-in movies. That's like a niche thing now, right? You don't see it a lot, but it's, it's like... It's not a big business. It's not yeah. a big business. I think, I think that it may become a niche. But what's yeah. the loss? It's too hard to measure. If theater suffers the way uh, it looks like it's suffering, what is the loss to our culture? What is the loss to our, to our society because of what's born out of theater, what starts in theater? Yeah. How many great actors, how many great writers, how many great people have come from theater and affected pop culture? And that's the thing I think people don't always measure is where, where things are born and what they grow to when we actually consume them at a pop level. Um, in a mass market, when you, when you think about the life of that of that art form, it started somewhere in true, pure, creative uh, fashion. Yeah, I, I I think that like live live theater, live music theater is will will have a, a a better chance at survival than than movie theaters. You know, mm. I mean, I think I think live you know theater will come back. It, it may well be that that a lot of the businesses that are putting that on now, you know, will they have enough runway to survive until everybody can go back to the theater and the audiences we're used to seeing. But, but at some point this is going to be over and those, those audiences are going to come back and live theater is something for which there isn't an easy replacement. There's not an analog for that the way there is for uh, watching some movies at home on your big screen TV is just the same as watching them in the theater. And I think the, the businesses that have uh, that don't have an easy analog, you know, live live concerts being another one, those are going to be the most resilient in the long term. The, the art form will come back even if some of the companies that are putting that on for us up to, until this point uh, are, are replaced by others. Yeah, they're going to be facing sort of like a really great sort of depression like to get through to bring the industry back. But it will come back. You know, that 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 sort of experiential stuff is going to come back like that you, that you just can't replicate, I think, you know? It's the analog stuff you're talking about, you know? Um, well, it's interesting. I think it's a great thing to think about is what are the long-term implications of a lot of things? Mm. Well, think about all of the athletes right now that were supposed to be going into their senior year of high school. They were on track for that 
college thing or yeah. even some people going into drafts of different kinds. Think about how derailed a lot of kids are at each level of like where they would usually transition to the next level of their sport. How many of them are off track now and how many of those kids will fall off because it's just these messy traffic jams of yep. who gets what and what resources are available. When you think about like each different category, it's not just music, sports, entertainment, tech. There's some things that are growing here and there's definitely gonna be like a, a kind of like uh, casualties and yeah. uh, um, by the byproduct is going to shift generations in certain cross sections yep. of like their direction in life period. That's like kind of an, a, it's a mind blowing thing to even try to wrap your head around, but it's definitely a real thing we're gonna see years from now, a, a few years from now, we're gonna see habits that formed because of this time. How would you all like to be uh, entertained and how would you like to entertain in the future, knowing what you know now um, and sort of starting with a bit of a clean slate? I don't know, maybe in terms of live events, I don't even know how you do it. In my brain, I was thinking, do you slice up an arena and have people just in little tiny boxes that they don't leave kind of mm. thing, like just a outline that you're little not supposed to move out of. pockets, a virtual yeah. audience. Like kind it. of, yeah. something like that, yeah. Mm. A lot of outdoor stuff, but we're getting into the winter now, no one wants to be outside. So uh, yeah, more virtual stuff. The internet is, I mean, it, it has and always will be now, like our, our thriving thing. Yeah. So just, just taking it taking it to the line. Be a good time to get into the uh, outdoor heater market, I reckon. Yeah. Just take- Yeah, that could, yeah. That could be my next day. <laughs> Buy those shares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even when I could go to lots of live shows, I probably went to you know six or seven a year, um, but my absolute favorite ones, I'd only see them once or twice a year. And now there's a lot more resources being put into where I can watch these guys do live streams. I can, I can watch them sort of interact more with me or people like me on Twitter. And it kind of creates this, uh, deeper connection or sort of feeling like a deeper connection with them that that even makes it's going to make the live shows even better when they come back. So I think there's a lot there's a lot uh, to be looked forward to right now in terms of how any individual person can can take the disposable time they have and spend it on the stuff that they they get the most value from. I mean, those first um, gigs when they do eventually come back, they're going to be quite something. Wild. They're going to be celebratory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've already, I've already got like four of them. I got tickets for just waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, going to be crazy. I think one of the you know, silver linings out of all this is I've just seen some really like heartfelt, genuine um, connections between um, you know, artists and their fans um, and, and have gotten to have a few of those experiences myself as, as an artist too, who's like semi-retired and just does something every now and then. Um, uh, it, it's the storytelling for me is it's just such a powerful connection between people because we really, I think all of us need to feel understood or, or really connect when we understand or learn to understand each other. And I just think that that's one of the things that will be so uh, such a positive of this time is just the understanding that happens between everyone. Yeah, I think for me, it's just all unique, authentic, what feels would, would feel like maybe handcrafted uh, experiences. So even in the in going back out into the world, I'd much rather go experience something with a, with a small group of people I care about, whether it's my family or friends, and feel like I'm in a in an engaged kind of experience, whether it's a meal 
or a music thing or even sports. I'd love to see sports come back in a way where people could go experience it and maybe maybe they make less money, but there's a, there's a way that everyone can go and feel safe. I definitely am in the in the in the boat uh, of people that want to go and experience things and still feel safe, but I still want to go out. I definitely want to go have these kind of small bespoke experiences. And I think the future of entertainment, I think we're focused on it at Veeps, is, is create, giving people the tools to create those small experiences when they can. Um, but for me, that's what, that's what I see is just being able to go out with a small group and experience something and feel it and feel like it was um, worth every penny that I paid for it. Uh, okay, I think, that's, um, I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, Joel and Benji Madden, John Giegengak, my jammer, thank you very much. Uh, for your time and your and your insights, um, I, I said right at the start that I wanted to focus on the on, on the positives, and I'm I'm feeling positive after that. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there are there are challenges, but I do I think the entertainment world will will, will adapt and and rise to them and and, and thrive again. Um, uh, obviously, our world has changed very very rapidly and, and radically, and we all have our own distinct experience of that. Uh, so we'd really like to hear from, from you uh, at home, any ideas that you have about how we can use this moment to, to reset and shape uh, shape a better future. Uh, so please pipe up, uh, comment on our, on our socials, uh, subscribe to our channels for more episodes of Project Reset.